Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Get your mind right. And enjoy this time designed just for you. This is episode 74. We have a three-part interview with Callie Ammons. I am so excited for our audience. I know we have a lot of Enneagram fans out here, and this was really new to me, and I feel like I've learned a lot about the Enneagram, but subtypes, Brooke. I know. This is exciting. So we haven't even addressed subtypes in our 101 level, so now that we're in our 201 level, we hit what subtypes are, and Callie is about to talk about that. Enjoy. Okay, we are in the middle slash end nearish to our Enneagram mini-series all about Enneagram and relationships, and today we are interviewing the Callie Ammons. So excited to have you on the show. Yes, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm fangirling on the inside trying to (laughs) face it, but I'm giving it away now. (laughs) Oh, so today we're going to talk about Enneagram subtypes. People, for our podcast listeners, we haven't talked about subtypes at all, so today's the day we're diving in, and we brought in the expert to tell you about subtypes. So, Callie, go ahead and tell us just a little bit about you so our people can envision you and what your life is like. Absolutely. Well, Farron and Brooke, seriously, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I am like all for talking about the Enneagram and Jesus anytime. So I'm excited for our conversation. So yeah, my name is Callie Ammons and I just moved to Colorado with my husband three months ago. We like up and moved 12 hours away from Arkansas and it has been one of the best transitions. Kind of crazy during COVID too. It was like, people are like, what the heck are you guys doing? And we're pregnant as well. So I'm due at the time we're recording this in like, yeah, three months. So I am like going into my third trimester. So there's a lot of transition happening, but we're excited Um, for my profession. I'm an Enneagram life coach. And so what that basically means is I'm just passionate about helping people understand themselves so they can live more fully and effectively and live in obedience. I think a lot of us can feel overwhelmed or stressed and it's just like, oh, this is how life is. But I really believe that Jesus called us to live in abundance. And that means that we can, even through the midst of hard things. And so I help people understand themselves so that they know exactly how to thrive every single day. Perfect. Well, that was a wonderful way to say that. Yeah. Can we just copy paste that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're going to dive right in. So first of all, Kelly, what is even a subtype? That word gets thrown around a lot and people are like, what's the Enneagrams? And I don't know how to, they're like, what is even a subtype? Yeah. Well, okay. So you guys have talked about the nine types on your podcast. So we know that there's nine types on the Enneagram and what the subtypes are is basically different variations of each type. So essentially there's 27 total types. If we just put it in a simple way, meaning there's three variations to every single number. So I'm a type three on the Enneagram. That means I could be one specific subtype on the Enneagram and my best friend who actually is a type three is a different subtype and we can look really different 
which is where a lot of the confusion can come in with the Enneagram when people are trying to figure out their type. They might read a book and be like, I kind of connect with parts of the type four, but not all of it. Like, why? What's wrong with me? And chances are it's because you're a different subtype. So you kind of resonate with that core motivation still, but there's a social subtype that goes with it. And we're going to dig all into those subtypes, but that's essentially what it is. So in simple ways, I just like to explain to people, it's basically like there's 27 different types, which can kind of feel overwhelming, but also so kind of relieving because you're like, oh, if I've been in this place of kind of battling between different types, it can give you clarity to actually figure out which one you truly resonate with. Perfect. So we're going to follow the triads of Suzanne Stabile's books. So we're going to start with eights, nines, and ones, and we'll talk about those subtypes and then move on through the different triads. So perfect. all right, take it away. Okay, we'll perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to back it up really quick and let's talk about the three subtype names in general. So what we have is we have a social subtype. We have a one-to-one subtype. Um, Sometimes you can hear people call this sexual. It's the exact same thing. And then we also have a self-preservation subtype. And those three names I just gave, that applies to all of them. So you could have a social three, a social seven, a social eight, you apply all of it. That's the overall name. So there's like actually names for each subtype for the different Enneagram types. And what that is, is those are instincts that are put in us as humans and it's how we respond. So we have access to all three of them, but in general, we use one of them primarily, the second one sometimes, and then the third one is repressed. So what this looks like is I'm going to kind of paint a picture of like a party and what a social, a self-preservation and what a one-to-one person is going to act like in general. And then we'll kind of talk through the different types. So a social person, what they're going to do is they're going to walk into a party and they immediately already know who like the most important person in the room is. And they're probably working their way over to that person to introduce themselves, to say hi, and to really win that approval from that important person. So it could be an authority figure. It could be like a parent, whatever the situation is, that's what their focus is. Now, a self-preservation person, which this is me, I'm a self-preservation three Self-preservation people really care about comfort in the environment and feeling safe. So they're going to walk into a party. They're not necessarily looking for the people. They're like, where's the drinks? Where's the food? Where's the bathroom when I have to go? Is it hot in here? Is it too cold? Like they're just assessing the temperature of the room and how they feel. Um, I even think of like when I walk into a place, I'm like looking for a chair. I'm like, where am I going to sit? And if there's not a chair, I'm like panicking. Like, oh my gosh, where am I going to go? <laughs> so I even come here. There's nowhere to sit. Exactly. So the self-preservation is really concerned about the environment for themselves, but also can be for other people as well. Like I'm very in tune when people are in my house, like, do they need food, water and Kramer? My husband's like, calm down. Like they're fine. Um, And then the one-to-one. So this one can get kind of confusing because when you hear one-to-one, pretty much every single human desires to be close to one person, right? Like that's how God created us is to be connected to people. But what the one-to-one means is this individual really desires adrenaline rush, kind of intensity and a deep connection. So someone who's walking into a party who is a subtype one-to-one, they're looking for not necessarily the most popular person, but the person that they can have a conversation with that's going to give them kind of a spark of adrenaline, like a debate, a fun conversation. So I think of an example um, last year, actually at Christmas, one of my brother-in-laws is a one-to-one seven 
And he asked me a question in front of like 20 people that felt like so edgy. I knew like no matter how I answered it, it was going to offend people. I'm like sweating. My palms are like so wet. And I'm like, get me out of this situation. But he didn't think anything of it. Like that really brings value to him. He wasn't trying to make me uncomfortable or anyone else. He actually was probably trying to show like, hey, Kelly, I want to hear your perspective when I'm like freaking out because he's a one-to-one and he loves that intense kind of uncomfortable conversation. So when you hear those three different subtypes, you can see how maybe like someone who is a social type seven could look like a type two because type twos love people and they're outgoing. Or even like a one-to-one four could look like a type eight because they're more intense. They want those blunt conversations where we can kind of subconsciously just think of eights as like the intense personality or the type twos as the people who love people. Um, But it really is interesting when you add those layers onto the different types. So did that make sense how I explained those three different ones? Okay. Okay, perfect. So with the type eight, we can do like a really quick overview of, so you're going to have a self-preservation eight, you're going to have a social type eight and a one-to-one eight. So the eight self-preservation is satisfaction. Um, The social is solitary. The one-to-one is possession. And what we're going to see is like a self-preservation eight is going to be more focused on their survival, trying to take control of their environment. So yes, they're still asserting that blunt personality, that challenger where they're going to do what they need to do, but it's, it's going towards their environment less less of like their social environment or their social status, if that makes sense. So they're going to express passion for maybe cleanliness a little bit more or making sure that their food, they love it, they feel comfortable. So then a social type eight, this is where they're going to use more of a charm, their control to really connect with people. They might listen a little bit more than a self-preservation because they're trying to win that social status. And that's what their focus and attention goes to. Now, a one-to-one eight, I think it's safe to say that's probably the most intense person on the Enneagram where they really are going to make other people uncomfortable at times. But this is the cool thing is we can realize they're not trying to. They literally feel like they're adding value to people when they're having a debate, an intense conversation. And so what we're going to see is kind of this possessive personality. It's going to be pretty edgy. It's going to feel like super blunt, like they're just going to call people out, but it's with a desire to connect with you. That's why they're doing it. That one sounds like my husband. <laughs> oh, really? A one-to-one eight? <laughs> I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's him. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one for yes. sure. <laughs> the food and cleanliness. Oh, that that's a really good well, perspective. He, like, he likes the food and cleanliness, but also like he loves debates and he does think he's adding value. Your opinion, yeah. you can have your opinion, but it's wrong. Here's why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think it's so helpful. Like when we learn like, okay, they're not trying to be mean or someone's not trying to obsess about their environment. Like, it's just crazy how we all think so differently. And when you can understand where people are coming from, it's so much easier to give compassion, I think. <laughs> Yes. And not take it so personally. Absolutely. Explain like an eight personality to my family members this week. And they're like, they're really not. No, they really do want confrontation. Like they couldn't see past how they receive it to see the purpose behind the delivery. The motivation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's so helpful. That's why the Enneagram is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Type nine, you want me to dive right into that one? Go for it. Okay, perfect. For the type nine, the self-preservation is appetite. Social is going to be participation. 
And then the one-to-one is fusion. So a self-preservation nine, this, so when we think of a type nine, like they're a very gentle person in general, right? And they kind of go with the flow. And this is where we're going to see extreme differences, like a one-to-one nine, you start to actually see this more intense personality, especially if they wean to an eight versus like a self-preservation nine. So in a self-preservation nine, they're going to be focused on really pursuing their passion, but in a quiet way. So they're trying to understand themselves. They're trying to understand their desires, why they do what they do, and they're going to move slow and about in a way that feels comfortable to them. They are very quiet. They're very in their head. A self-preservation nine is not going to be expressive. (laughs) You guys are looking at each other. (laughs) Trying to figure out which one she is. It's not the first one. (laughs) Real Okay. Not at all. Like you don't think your self-preservation? No, like not a nine-wing eight. Yeah, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. When you made the comment about if they lean towards an eight, not that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We're also going to see with the self-preservation nine, they care a lot about their routines that make them feel safe and just in rhythm. Um, I mentioned again, I'm a self-preservation three. Like I connect with that as well. It's like, I want rhythms that just make my environment feel safe and secure, which is why they cling to it. So a social nine, this is actually the counter type. And this is where they can be mistaken for like type sevens or even like type fours, because you're going to see this outgoing personality. And when we think of nines, we don't always naturally think of an outgoing type individual, but this, this individual is going to seek exactly like a social status or to connect with people. That's really what they desire is to feel connected. Like they have a strong community and they really want it to be genuine. And so sometimes you see this more optimistic, adventurous type personality. Then the one-to-one nine, do you connect with that one? Well, like I've been referred to as an extroverted introvert, like Ah. presenting or leading different things like, no, you're not really shy. No, you don't really. And I'm like, no, no, no. This takes a, this takes a Spending all my energy tickets doing this. Yeah. So is it like you can almost like a switch, like you can be energetic if you need to, but it's not necessarily like that doesn't refuel you, that exhausts you. One example might be that when I see people I know out and about and I'm with my mom, Mm -hmm. as the conversation's over, she's like, oh my gosh, you are so nice. And I'm like, (laughs) what does that mean? Mom, she's a seven. So, you know, she doesn't get to see my energetic side for her standards very often. But that's an example where like if I see somebody, I can have an upbeat social conversation. And as soon as they're gone, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me regather myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and it's so interesting. Like, especially if your mom's a seven, that comparison is going to feel like drastic to her, like upbeat, outgoing, like that's just a part of her. So Very that makes sense. I guess it was a couple episodes. <laughs> she was like, my mom gave me a lot of vitamin B shots when I was a kid. Uh, that was a joke. It was for real. She was like, I just hear that you need some vitamin B. So let's every month go get a vitamin B shot. Oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. Nine, mom. I'm never going to be a seven. <laughs> I can't keep up with you. She's like, what's wrong with my daughter? Not really, but yeah. <laughs> That's so fascinating. It's interesting because Kramer's a type five and just like what you're sharing, like the whole social situation. 
he's very similar. We're like, you meet him in person. He is so sweet. And he's going to make you feel like you're the coolest person ever. Cause he like listens to you, but it's true. As soon as people walk away, he's like, I need a five hour nap. Like that was exhausting. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Okay. So a one-to-one nine, um, this one is, it's so fascinating to me just how they express themselves all so differently. So this individual, what we're going to see is they can have more of an attitude or specific ideas that they're really passionate about. And when I say an attitude, it can, it can be this level of confidence, but they might be agitated about COVID and actually have an opinion where we think nines are just kind of passive. You can see this nine personality come out the one-to-one where they actually have an opinion and they're going to give it and they're more frustrated. Um, And it can feel like this feisty thing. And I say COVID because I think of one of my clients who was a type nine. There was like this side of her that started coming out. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was so cool to see though, because she was starting to express herself. And she's a one-to-one nine. She started to get comfortable. And was just like, I actually have an opinion. I have an idea. This is how I feel about this situation. And so they can sometimes still look shy on the outside. But really with the people they're comfortable with, you're going to start to see this opinion come out more strongly. Love it. This is so insightful. I'm like, there's so much to it. I'm like trying to keep them short enough that we can get through all of them. But okay, you want me to go ahead and go to the type one? Okay, perfect. So a self-preservation one is actually called worry. And this individual really represents as a true perfectionist. They want their space, their world, everything to be perfectly in order. And they're going to focus on perfecting their environments, but also the people around them because they see that that contributes to their environment. So it's like control to the extreme. But remembering like their heart position isn't trying to be like nitpicky or annoying. They're trying to control it so that they can feel safe, but also create a safe environment for other people, which is so amazing. Like when you think of that heart position um, and which is so helpful for you, like if you're a self-preservation one to be aware of like, okay, am I taking the control to the extreme or is this actually creating the right environment that I can? So that's what we're going to see. Now, a social one, and especially like a type one that weans to a two, this is where people can get confused of like, wow, I feel like really outgoing for a type one. I'm not as rigid. And it's probably because they're a social type one where they are going to use that energy to perfect things towards relationships, towards building deep, meaningful connections. They're really going to focus on teaching people. So they're incredible communicators. They're good at teaching, which I'm curious if that resonates with you being a teacher. more of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so that's what they're going to put their energy towards is the, towards those connections with people and using their ability for perfectionism towards teaching and helping people improve their life or just educate them about something. Yeah. That's so, right the nose with that one. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So a one-to-one type one, um, they believe that they have like an obligation to society to really, um, elevate it, like to bring people at a higher level, which is so beautiful. This is where I just think of incredible leaders that lead um, nationally or culturally, just like in their circles, pastors. There's a lot of one-to-one type one pastors where they care and they take on this obligation of like how the well-being of someone else is up to them. And so what we see is them putting their energy towards challenging people, towards helping people become the best they can be. 
And this is, that's the counter type. And you can also see like that really connects with the type three as well. Like type three is wanting to put their energy towards improving the world. They can be mistyped. So I really connect with a lot of the type one because of that tendency, specifically a one-to-one in that sense of like wanting to improve the environment. That wraps up episode 74, part one of our interview with Callie Ammons. Yes, I'm still trying to decide which subtype I am, but I appreciated that she said it may take you some time. Right, and I also like that you use one most and use one some, and then you repress the other. So that gives that wiggle room there, too. Yeah, lots to think about. Okay, guys, tune in next week. Episode 75 will be part two, Enneagram numbers two, three, and four. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We have a Facebook group out there just for you, for discussion, support, and community. And don't forget to get your freebie that's designed just for this mini-series. If you have any questions, reach out. We'll be right there.